This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, I'm Jay Harris from the New York Mets. Welcome to our Mets alumni podcast. Hey, guys, I was looking through some newspapers the other day, and I saw a picture of Cleon kneeling down. With the catching game, you know, uh, five. What were you guys? Did you think it was over his head? I mean, how different variations of what do you think when the ball was hit? Do you think it was gone? No. What do you What do you think? Cleon, you want to start? Well, you can start with Crane because uh, I I know what I I thought because I was out there. But guys that were in the infield or, or in left field or right field, they really didn't have a clue until the ball was caught, especially if you was in the infield. I thought he hit it. I thought well, he hit it pretty good. Well, David really? Johnson says the hardest ball he's ever hit in his life, and he felt like there was some supreme being hovering <laughs> over Shea Stadium that Stopped knocked it, it down. But yeah. It, yeah, it didn't even go in the wind. It, it never went to the water track. Yeah, it never made a water track. I didn't think it was hit that well, but and it looked like just a fly ball to left field. But but he said it was uh, he hit it really good. So who knows? But all I know is when Cleon kind of circled under it and. Patted his glove a little bit and went down to one knee. It was all over. And well, well, rest is for, history. Thanks for that, Sam, because you know when I pat my glove, it's all over. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what your thoughts were when you realized that the after all the years of 100 losses, were you know you guys were the world champs? What were you guys thinking that day? I mean, uh, we were on cloud nine. We yeah. celebrated at that point. You know, I think all that champagne we drank in the playoffs and, and, and yeah. the series coming up. We drank it. It's not like today where they shake it up and they spray it around each you know other. You know rules? We drank all that stuff, you know yeah. what I mean? We were high for all those days. <laughs> I know one thing. We had to figure out. They put the good stuff out there first, and you sprayed it all over your, one another. You know, initially we sprayed some around. And then you got into the cheaper stuff, and when you started drinking it right away, and we had to figure out they put the good stuff aside and spray the cheap stuff. You had to read the label, you know, and I wasn't a much of a champagne person, so. Where was the after celebration, after, you know, win the game? Where, where, upstairs where was, in the diving, in the diving club. club. I think we had a party upstairs, and we stayed there for a couple hours. Really? Just a couple hours? Yeah. It was yeah. Everybody was together, and we, you know, we went out on the and you know this. There were right. sweet seats out there, right. and you went out and you looked at the field, and it looked like the bombing range in Vietnam. I mean, they tore the place up. And it was nothing. No, going to a hotel in the city back then. You didn't guys no, didn't do back that. in those days. We stayed right there at the ballpark. And everybody, the whole team was there together. And, yeah, uh, except uh, Jer Jerry Grody. I think he was in his locker. He was drinking all that uh, scotch in the locker. <laughs> he was, he, he had had caught him out. <laughs> Jerry Grody had a, caught him out. Had a, I saw him do this. He had a bottle of vodka, and he just went... Uh, blah, blah, right. And uh, he missed the party. Yeah. <laughs> he missed it. So, Which came huh? first after? I know it was uh, the Las Vegas thing. We went, went to Las Vegas, and he had Sullivan show. 
Which was which is guy did you join? Ed Sullivan, Ed Sullivan first. was yeah, first, yeah. and then we right. then we set it up in Las Vegas to go out there. And that's where he said we got to have heart. I mean, uh, yeah. we sang that with uh, there was a comedian Phil Foster. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, yeah. And, uh, Jerry Van Dyke. After two weeks, Cleon still didn't know the words to that song. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is that true, Cleon? <laughs> I didn't have to know it because I'm, I'm a hummer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> See, how is it? Like, are you guys? How long have you guys here in Vegas? We were there for. Uh, two and a half weeks, and they yeah. wanted us to stay longer. But I tell you what, we—it was a tough two weeks. You know, we started to uh, out out sing the the back uh, drop guys. Right. You know, they were behind us singing. You know, but we started drinking in between the the two shows, and we started getting. Louder <laughs> we never got in sync. We yeah. never were able to was coordinate with the background singers. So. Well, what was it? Any other after? You know, was there any other crazy? The parade was still. I mean, stuff to talk about, right? I mean, oh, uh, well, Ronnie and I remember we went. We had to go hit off that. Softball pitcher, remember on the Dick Cavett we show? We went on the Dick Cavett show. They had some woman softball pitcher. A fast pitch she softball. She almost killed you. Yeah, yeah, she almost killed me, but uh, she could throw pretty good. But we made fools of ourselves. It was fun. Yeah. We, yeah. I, I, I went to Vietnam, you know. I, I, while they were in Vegas, I had committed to, go to, to the USO to go to Vietnam. Who did you go with, you remember? Um, uh, Ernie Banks was really? there and uh, a couple other guys, a couple of fighters. Uh, I think Ruben Torres was there, um, and uh, um, I, I'm wondering if that was the year Bing Devine was there, because Bowie Kuhn, before he became commissioner, was there the year before with Joe DiMaggio, and I went again in 69. You know, it's an amazing stat from mid-August to the end of the year. You guys picked up like 17 games on the Cubs. I mean, I know you had some bar play with Billy Williams, you're both from Mobile. When did they think they started to take us the Mets for real? I mean, in, in, in some point. When everybody started talking about uh, the relief pitching, you know, they had Phil Reagan. Uh, he was their number one reliever, and they used him every day. And that that was the uh, one knock on Leo DeRocher, that uh, he was good with uh, guys on the field, but he didn't know how to handle a pitching staff, and uh, that was proven that year, because uh, in August we were down. Nine, Nine and a half games. Yeah, and and uh, we were all confident at that time that we we were a good team and we were moving uh, towards uh, overtaking the Cubs. And uh, I never go to the ballpark early, early, but I started going to Wrigley Field. Maybe that's because we was out all night. <laughs> <laughs> no, really? And, uh, we beat Brush <laughs> Street to death. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we we, we uh, started to go to the ballpark uh, real early. So I could uh, talk with Billy Williams. He's from my hometown, and uh, and tell him to don't look back. We're gaining on him, and we were actually gaining on him. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot to pick up in a month and a half. They were aware of that, but you know, the it was like ten days, end of end of August, right. first of September, when they finally when they finally augured in, and we stayed hot, and we went from five down, you know, roughly five down to five up, really, in about ten days, and never looked back. You know, speaking of the... And they turned on one another. You know, the Cubs, there. I, I, you know, when I put my book together, I looked at some of the stuff that was written in about the Cubs clubhouse. DeRocher and even Santo, they turned on... If really? they made mistakes, stuff was said about those guys, and DeRocher said stuff about his pitchers when they started failing them that was ugly, man. And, and you know, stuff that would never be said in our clubhouse. I was, you know, one of the things when I took this job is trying to generate some publicity for Gil with the Hall of Fame. You know, I did, did some research that 
He's the only guy in Ryder's Ballad who got over 60% three times and never got in. What made him a special guy to you guys? I mean, you know, I mean, what made him special? What makes him special to me uh, then and now, uh, what I realize about him is the fact that uh, if not for Gil, we're not talking about the 69 Mets. Uh, he meant that much to uh, a lot of people express the fact that managers don't really make a difference. They can make a difference, but there's only 10 or 12 games during the course of a whole year that he, he really influenced a ball game. But Gil did it every day because he got everybody ready to play every day. And I keep hopping back to the same thing. When you have four guys uh, that plays every day, and they're the only four guys on the team that know that they're going to play every day. Everybody else has to come to the ballpark, look at the lineup, or see who's pitching. Uh, Grody, Harrison, AGM, myself. We knew who was going to be in the lineup. These guys, they were platooning. Cranepool platooned before Clendenin got here, but after Clendenin got here, even Crane was uh, platooning. So when you influence the lineup, that way and get everybody ready to play. Uh, that's the kind of difference maker he, he get larger You guys, I mean, you guys didn't really there play. There were no surprises. Yeah. There were no surprises no, you with Gil. You know what he was going to do? Yeah. Yeah. And collectively, Eddie and uh, Clendenin had a good year, and Ronnie and I had a good year, if you look at the stats. and you, uh, There was some point you, you actually knew when you were going to play, unless they changed the pitcher when you got to the ballpark. But he was pretty well set on that. Uh, I don't know what point of the season, but he was pretty well set. And the Gill's ability to, to manage we're, by feel. We're just talking, right? Yes, manage sir. by feel, and, and, and you don't see that David. anymore. And, uh, and he was able to get everybody on, on the team, on the bench, down at the end of the bench, we involved are, in the we're game. We're doing a little talking here uh, before we go on the air. I thought we're not... No, no, no. Oh, he's recorded. I thought you were recorded. He's recorded. I'm sorry. Yeah. I thought the camera's off. No, no. Oh. Look, we're doing an interview. I'm sorry. <laughs> I thought there's no lights on the camera. He's not pointing at us. You're just taking the audio. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, jeez. That's, 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 was it hard for you three guys? I mean, like in the playoffs, the Braves... The Braves had right-handed pitching, and in the it series, was, it was left-handed pitching. It wasn't hard, but it was not something anybody liked, you know. And 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 it was hard in a sense if you had a, a good game the day before, now you're not playing the next day. It was discouraging, but the reality of it, it was working. And so, you know, uh, if it was working, there really wasn't too much you could say. Winning but, makes the difference. Yeah. You know, when you start winning and doing it a certain way, you continue that way. Nobody really liked being platooned, but you accepted it. It was a winning tradition. Gill was the motivator behind it. He, you know, the Mets in 69 were a team. 25 guys contributed to that uh, championship. We, everyone filled in, and we knew our roles. We had to accept it under Gil Hodges, or he got rid of you. He was tough. You know, 50 years have gone by. I know that Eddie and um, Art live in New York. How about you guys, the out-of-town guys, Louisiana, Mobile? Do you still get recognized? I mean, we're still, they can still talk to you about 69, Ron? And I mean... When I, I just came back from the Met Fantasy Camp, and, uh, you know, those guys down there, there's a couple of them old enough to remember, and, and um, they, um, you know, you gave a whole lot of people in New York memories that um, they passed on to their kids, and, you know, I don't know how many times any of us were at autographing things where some guy's got his kid here, and he's trying to explain to his kid 
why this old guy sitting there, uh, you know, g gave him the thrill of his life, and that's a that's a hell of a privilege. Yeah, I bet you went anyway, and you guys. Still, I'm sure you still get recognized. Oh, New York is the greatest town in the world. Fifty years after the fact, you can still get invited to do things. People want to talk about it. You can walk down the street, and, and you know the doormen know who you are. I mean, I've had bus drivers stop the bus and yell out. They recognize me. I mean, a little grayer, maybe a little older, not moving as fast as I used to. And, I mean, you are too. Yeah, you know, same thing. You know, you live in the city. People have uh, memories and pass it on from generation to generation. It was such a special team. You know, how we won, you know, when we won, what was going on in the city and the country and the world at the time. All these things factor in the people remembering 50 years later. And, and uh, you know, obviously here in New York, you might hear it more than uh, down in Mobile or New Orleans, but the reality of it is it was such a special team and that's been passed on to generations who weren't even born because they have heard about the 69 bets. They heard about Ronnie's catch in the World Series. They heard about Cleon catching the ball uh, at the end of the game. And that particular year with the Jets winning and then us and then the Knicks, it was just an incredible year. And you stop and think about it with Joe Namath running off the field, pointing his finger, and Cleon going down to one knee, and Willis Reed running onto the court in that game seven against the Lakers. Those are icon moments in the history of sports in New York. So people know about that and pass it on. How about Cleon? Almost How worth about doing a book about. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> after the miracle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, how about you in Mobile? Is it right? Well, uh, I'm, I'm from a, a small town, and uh, uh, I'm known for the 69 Mets. Not the 66 Mets, not the 70 Mets, but uh, when someone say Cleon Jones, they say the 69 Mets. So uh, that's who I am. So when someone say, who is that? I, I repeat what everybody else say. Cleon Jones, 69 Mets. <laughs> that's uh, your name, right? Yeah. That, that's that's who I am, uh, Cleon Jones, the last out. So, those two things are kind of famous for. So, uh, that's what I go with. But uh, the Mets, and you live here in New York, but '69 put the Mets on the map. Cranepool and I know the Mets at the Metropolitan Mets. When he signed his contract, it was with the uh, Metropolitan Mets. So, so did I. Uh, but we're known as the New York Mets, world's champion, 1969. So all the other years I played here, you, you can throw them in a the trash can because it means nothing. Yeah, you know, you, you're still looking for a donor, for your kidney donor. And you've done a lot of work with the Organ Society. Tell us, what have you been trying to do? You know, or, you know, or well, all you can do now is just get visibility to uh, make somebody aware that organ... Uh, Donations exist, and uh, if I can get a donor, that would be fantastic. Aren't you do so with the driver's license? I mean, you do. Well, that. we do that with the motor vehicles. Right. You now have to, when you sign up and get a new license, you've got to designate whether you want to be an organ donor. Because, you know, they don't want to ask people where they're dying on the table, their family, if you can take their organs. It makes it a little bit easier to, if you want to do that, I mean, it, you can help an awful lot of people. You know, uh, uh, Ronnie and Art going into books. You have a background, Ronnie, with the TV and stuff, so it's not unusual you're writing a book. It's Art did it on one year, you did it on uh, your career. Yeah, I was new at, at trying to put that much writing together. It, it, you know, a lot of hands end up in the pie, but I got good help to help me organize. Can I say the name of the book again? It's uh, Here's the Catch. And, you know, the Where'd that come from, Ron? My wife said, here's the catch. Um, uh, she thought you, you, could, you could double entendre a little yeah. bit. The, the subtitles like Memories of the Miracle Mets and more. So we, you know. It's your life story, really, too, right? Yeah, my 
crazy uncles that worked in the morgue in Baltimore, my Chinese grandfather that uh, we loved and uh, was the worst driver known to humanity, and just a lot of things that happened that allowed you to end up uh, a professional baseball player and in the middle of a World Series. Oh, you wrote a different kind of book. Just really yeah, focus uh, on the winning. After the Miracle is a title. It's really a 50-year remembrance, but there's so many stories. There, there are so many wonderful good stories and with the cast of characters who were part of that team which made up the the team and it was just you know and you know we took a trip out to see Tom Seaver Ronnie went with me and yep. and uh, and Jerry Kuzman and Buddy Harrelson who was starting to be ill and it was just kind of a sentimental journey to remember and reminisce a little bit and and uh, you know, hopefully people will like it. Yeah. And Claire, you and your wife are doing great work in Mobile. You're we're building houses, doing stuff at, in your own foundation. How did you get into that when you and well, Angela? Uh, first, I want to say this: uh, if you practice anything long enough, sooner or later you'll get it right. <laughs> Ronnie practiced that catch. You're not talking about my golf game, are you? <laughs> Ronnie practiced that catch. Uh, for years, all of us watched him <laughs> to try to make that diving catch, and he finally made it. Uh, it was a good time to do it. That's a good time to do the World Series. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we, we uh, my wife and family, uh, we, we are embarking on, uh, and we've been, we've been doing this since we've been back home uh, in, in the Mobile area. Uh, I, I live uh, and have always lived uh, because that's what I wanted to do. Uh, in an underserved area, so that I could make a difference in the community uh, and be available to all of the people in and around my community. Ronnie has visited uh, Mobile a few times uh, with me. He's, he's met some of the people that I deal with. and You're a resource, uh, yeah. really, for that community. Right. Important right. resource. Yeah, and, and, and what, what we do is uh, seek out the people that need help, uh, and we, we uh, try to be there for them. Uh, <clears throat> we've been fortunate enough to, uh, uh, people have been burned out of their homes uh, to get them back into their homes and uh, now they're on uh, safe ground with no mortgages and that kind of thing. So uh, we continue to uh, try to move forward and make a difference. Yes, yeah, 50, you guys believe it's 50 years, June 29th is a celebration. Seems like that's a long time. And long, it's not a long time. Well, time I'm flies sort of, when you're having fun. I'm sort of like you know? uh, Mickey Mouse. He said, if I'd known I was going to live this long, I'd have taken better care of myself. All right. Well, you guys <laughs> look good, man. Well, I appreciate the time, everybody. Yeah, Thanks. Yeah, well. Yeah. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.